You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is the Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that hits music's greatest albums in track by track combat. For our first podcast in 2022, my trusty co host Imran and I are staring down a doozy battle. Suggested by our three time guest on this pod, Ben Holt, when we last spoke with Ben, he had been put in charge of the main radio show, Mosh Pit on Sin, and he and I couldn't pick between Exodus and Annihilator. For his fourth outing on the standoff, offering up Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind versus Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, it only takes one look, considering what both albums have in store, to know the three of us are in for a tight one. I'll even go as far as predicting that this battle will end in a draw. It's a battle of similar-ish styles, new wave of British heavy metal standouts, statements that this kind of music was going to stay for years to come and conquer the world doing it. With much to discuss, let's go over how this battle will go. Every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track receives a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. We'll need that for Devil's Child. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. The album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. It's Iron Maiden versus Judas Priest. Over to Ben and Imran, roll the audio. Well, Imran, it's good to be back in business with you, and for a battle like Peace of Mind versus Screaming for Vengeance, I'm glad we have Ben with us. Yes, indeed. This is a hot one, and who better, honestly, to bring onto the show than, of course, acclaimed mosh pit veteran, Ben. How are you, Ben? Hey, gentlemen, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, geez, it's been... It feels like it's been a long while since I've done anything uh, mosh pit related, so thrilled to be back on the standoff. The last uh, time we ever and- did a standoff, Ben, we were in the Sin Studios one-on-one struggling to decide between Exodus and Annihilator, and you've come up with this one, damn it. I have come up with this one. Uh, I think what I love about it most, more than anything, is these were two of the earliest albums I ever bought. Just when I started working at about 15, had a tiny bit of you know disposable income at, my, at the ready, and uh, these were two of the albums I came up with nice and early. So who's going to be the better album? That's the question. I, I can't wait to find out. Full transparency. I said this in the intro, so the listeners are aware. I've predicted a draw. Ooh. This is gonna. This is a tight one. It it truly is. We haven't. I haven't seen a battle of the likes at this caliber for a while. It's it's a battle of uh, two of the best British heavy metal bands ever, and also two of their most acclaimed albums ever. So, either way, they're both going to come up winners. In you know, they're both great pieces of work. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I can't wait. Imran, when the battle was suggested, what went through your head? Um, first thing that went to my, through my head was I've never listened to Judas Priest before, like ever. And I know I could be chastised for that, but here I am. I've listened to Judas Priest now. It's been interesting listening to both of these bands. I was fully expecting Judas Priest to be a Iron Maiden clone, but was somewhat surprised. I thought I was going to get chastised for saying that the only Judas Priest I've listened to is Painkiller, the song, and I forgot how it went. Uh, you've, you've had me beat there, Imran. Sweet. <laughs> I, I'm just shocked that, uh, you know, when, when I was in high school, Judas Priest was the band. It was Metallica, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, all that kind of stuff. And I just figured everyone had listened to all their classic records and so forth, but it seems as if some education's kind of gone missing, maybe. Uh, yeah, it just shocks me that you guys hadn't really listened to much. I mean, they're good to bring Judas Priest back I, to I'd schools. heard every Priest album a million times, but that's okay. It's all good fun. This is why you're here to educate us. Exactly. exactly. Look forward to doing so. Both released within a year of each other, both classified as the new wave of British heavy metal that went on to inspire many of the bigger bands that went on to come out into the scene. 
Is is that the main legacy you draw from these two albums, in your opinion, Ben? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Iron Maiden as a whole are a little bit more one-dimensional. They've got a fantastic sound. They know what they're doing. They kind of just repeat it over and over. Uh, whereas Judas Priest really have had many different periods in their career. They did one record, a couple after this, Turbo, that was essentially glam rock. They even had a, a 70s prog kind of phase going in the early years. But to me, this is the essential sounding Judas Priest at their best record. I absolutely adore uh, this album and I, I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be so good. Yep, there's not, not much really more you can say about that. So, the Godforsaken Timekeeper, Ben has been dreading reuniting with the Timekeeper because it means we have to pick apart Juggernaut albums. But, Timekeeper, ring it. Thank you very much, Timekeeper. Let's begin this battle. Where Eagles there versus the Hellion. Let's kick things off with our guest, as usual, Ben. It's a pretty simple point, admittedly. Well, what I love about Where Eagles Dare was this was the first time uh, an Iron Maiden audience was exposed to Nico McBrain, who became their long-standing drummer uh, from the fourth record all the way to even album number 17. Uh, and dare I say, uh, Gentlemen, it's a pretty exciting drum intro that that kicks off this uh, this Iron Maiden record, lightning fast. Uh, probably the most interesting thing about Nico McBrain is that he refuses to use double kick pedals, um, which when you listen to some of the passages on this record, it's almost hard to believe, like the trooper is just doing it on one kick. Um, but yeah, this is a really awesome way to kick off the record. Bruce Dickinson sounds absolutely insane in a good way. Um, but then on the other side, Jason, we've also got the Hellion, uh, which I almost think is one of the most perfect intros ever. It's hard not to listen to the Hellion and get hyped and wonder what on earth's coming next. And that's really all the service that it really serves for the album, just to get you excited for the record ahead and Electric Eye. But I think comparing that to Where Eagles Dare Him Run, it's a chalk and cheese yeah. kind of scenario. Yeah, i got to agree with you with this one. I, I did like the intro, the Hellion. I liked the this big grand epic feel that it brings but i mean um yeah now putting it up against a whole six minute iron maiden epic it's an easy point it's i i was gonna mention the drums um that from the moment that kicked in it scared me a little bit i thought it was like a bit of a jump scare as it came in uh, yeah but like ry rhythmically and sonically it's a very jarring kind of song like there's a lot of like weird stuff happening um, kind of reminds me of pirates. I don't know why. I can imagine some pirates going along a, a the ocean on a big boat just with this song in the background. Um, it's a very cool song though. I love the um like the just the triplets going through. Uh, the main riff is just really cool. Um, the solo I think in particular also got me. Bruce obviously in top form as always, as always. Um. There's some bass shredding at the end. There's just so much happening in this song, and I love it. Um, so, yeah, easy point, Iron Maiden. What are we saying, Ben? Is Where Eagles there too strong of an open for the Hellion? Hellion serves its purpose great. It is, what you said, one of the best ways to open a record, but incomparable to Where Eagles there, or have you got any other points to make? Well, had the band have done the simple exercise of simply putting the Hellion within the track electric eye uh i would have gone electric eye but um considering that's not how they did it uh there's no way i can pass up on where eagles dare over a uh, 41 second dare i say amazing intro but uh no i may definitely have the early uh, rubber on that one and that keeps the thing going with your appearances on this show here ben because the last time you were on the show we were talking about crystal and the symphonic acoustic piece to lead you into uh alice in hell by annihilator and we've got a similar case here. Hellion plus Electric Eye, fantastic. But as an individual track, we're Eagles Dare all the way. And now we get to battles I hate because it's very hard to distinguish between the two for me. Revelations versus Electric Eye, the aforementioned. Let's talk about Electric Eye because it's seamlessly, seamlessly followed, followed through by the Hellion. And it's a standout. Yeah, it's an absolute standout. Um... There's a couple of tracks where I can easily say to someone who's never heard Judas Priest before, this is Judas Priest. And Electric Eye is one of those tracks. Effortlessly catchy, fun riffs, 
just a good time and there's a heck of a lot of energy going on i'd also throw in painkiller to be a good opening track to get someone into the band along with um breaking the law but that one more for its cheesiness uh yeah i mean what's not to love about this track and more importantly i actually quite enjoy how 80s this album sounds uh the drums really echo they've got this loud echo on the snare um and rob helford is just in complete top form it, i know that uh Everyone loves Bruce. I've always preferred Rob Helford to vocals here. I, I would take Rob Helford. I think there's just a little bit more range going on throughout the record. Um, but with that, uh, it, it, it's still unbelievable to me when you hear tracks like uh, Revelations, because I think back to at my high school, my good friend Lloyd actually made a Iron Maiden sampler CD, handed it to the principal, full well knowing that he was going to reject it. But the principal asked if there was any uh, bad language or bad themes and there wasn't and uh you know we, we enjoyed uh high school lunches and uh all the kids walking to the next class listening to iron maiden there was revelations to what midnight aces high it was incredible there was uh, all of it and it was a bit surreal but uh yeah it was just a good high school i guess i had to listen to red hot chili peppers and you got to listen to iron maiden that is, oh, yeah, i, I was going to high school exchange yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, unlucky but um I, I guess when talking about a track like revelations what was your take on that uh imran and jason because I, I feel as if we really get a good sense of iron maiden's strengths when it comes to melody in a track like that yeah i was um i've never actually listened to peace of mind in its entirety um which means i'm a fake iron maiden fan uh but yeah listening to revelations was a surprise because i never heard an iron maiden track like this I, I thought it was very, uh, it kind of gave me like 90s alt rock vibes. There was a, like, there was a lot of switching up in the, the clean and the heavy stuff. Um, like that clean section is amazing. I, I loved it. Um, I loved the, like the crunchy bass in it as well. Um, like you said, the, all of that melodic stuff in it as well is really good. The storytelling, that's a classic Iron Maiden trait right there. Um, I really liked the song. And on the on the other side of things, Judas Priest. This this being the first proper Ju Judas Priest track that I've ever listened to, I was very pleasantly surprised. I really liked this track too. This is a, it kind of had like a blues style structure. It's got very unique singing. I thought like I thought it was cool for this like really big electric song to have that clean kind of. Uh, clean kind of singing style on it. Hey, I'm the sorry, cat. I'm dealing with a cat at the moment. She's really tiny. Um, yeah, the um, I really like the uh, the blues style structure they kind of had. Uh, the singing is very unique. I really liked the singing on it because it's this really big electric song, and it's got this like kind of clean singing over it, um, which I really liked. It's kind of low, a bit moody. I liked how he kind of switches it up kind of after the solo as well, which absolute ripper of a solo, I should mention. Um, yeah, the singing changes a bit. I like the down-pitched vocals in the chorus as well. It's just kind of got this real menacing, but also like weird, moody kind of vibe. This is, a, this is kind of a tough pick for me at the moment because I really like both of these tracks. What about you, Jason? Well, I mean, Revelations, I believe I heard Imran say Revelations is very Sabbath sounding because I got the exact same kind of feel. Whereas Electric Eye, oh man. I'll have to justify my opinion on Halford once we talk about the next track. But there's a very Ozzy Osbourne kind of sound in his voice with Electric Eye, and then he sounds like a blend between some other singers a little bit later on. My initial thought of Halford was. Not my cup of tea, but he grows on me eventually, especially within the context of this. And just the fun, all-encompassing all uh, electric eye, s big brothers watching you kind of feel was a nice exploration. But revelations, man. Um, it's tough for me not to pick it. I don't know, Ben. Well... Mm. Yeah, I think um, of the two tracks, revelations is from a comp compositional sense, probably the better song, but um, my point's actually going to Electric Eye. I, I just, the, I'm so swept up in the energy of this song, how much fun it is, how 
it, it's one of the band's staple tracks and it's just the, the most Judas Priest sounding song ever. So I still have to go with Electric Eye on this one. Don't blame you at all for that, but I think I will go Revelations. That's with an asterisk, I doubt. I doubt I'll be ever saying, oh, it's substantially better than Electric Eye because it just edges it out by a hair because they're both great tracks. But Revelations had a little bit more for me. bit more of a Sabbath sound. Loved Dickinson. I loved how it ascended and how melodic it all sounded. Yeah, I think my point's going to go to Revelations 2-0 there. Mm, I have to pick now. All right. No diss to Iron Maiden, but I'm going to pick Electric Eye. I think that's uh, that's the track that I that I've got stuck in my head at the moment when I think of these two tracks. Again, totally understand stellar tracks all around. It's a, it's another asterisk. Okay, we'll just do a quick score check here. One all for Imran, one all for Ben, two nil for myself. Peace of mind in the lead. And we're at another battle that I hate. Fly to Vicarus versus Riding on the Wind. Another competitive one. And there's a side of me that is refusing to let Judas Priest go 3-0 here. Well, I think <laughs> what's interesting about this one is that uh, both these songs are stupidly catchy. And they're, they're both a little bit over three minutes. So to compare them is actually quite well worthwhile. Judas Priest obviously have a much faster tempo. Um, really love how they've recorded these drums and then just layered them over. And then there's all this reverb and crazy vibration, which kind of sweeps you into this song. And this is, again, just another example of Judas Priest just riding high. I mean, this this is an absolutely insanely good song. Um, not to mention how good the solos are from Glenn Tipton and KK Downing. They always complemented each other incredibly well. Uh, a very spirited effort from uh, Rob Helford on the vocals. But then on the other side, you have Iron Maiden with, again, a really catchy track. But I always thought um, this track, Flight of Icarus, sounded way too much like Uriah Heep. Uh, not, not that that's a bad thing. Um, just the harmonies, especially in that chorus, I, I just got taken back to um, classic 70s heat records like Demons and Wizards and Look at Yourself and all that kind of great stuff. But uh, for me, uh, undoubtedly, it's a point to Riding on the Wind by Judas Priest. Oh, um, I I love the Judas Priest track, Riding on the Wind. Uh, I, the phaser drums at the start, like, like you said, is it kicked to the face of an intro. Um, the singing is so much more powerful in this one. This is kind of what I was expecting when I heard Judas Priest. I'm like, ah, there it is. I love the the guitar, like the lead stuff in the verses, um, and like you said, the guitar solo as well. That dual style guitar solo is really cool. Freaking shreds. Um, there are some amazingly long screams in that song as well, which is amazing. Top track, uh, probably top three on the album. I don't don't quote me on that yet, but yeah, no, great great track. Flight of Icarus, on the other hand. This is one of, if not the first Iron Maiden track I probably ever heard. So th this one's got a bit of a special place in my heart, but that like rumbling, like a rolling riff that just goes through the whole way is just so good. I love the harmonies in the chorus. There's an absolute ripper solo in it. It's one of those solos that I sing along to every time. Even the the outro solo part where is doing the the thing it's so good the big scream at the end i freaking love this song it's short it's sweet it's punchy you got bruce dickinson doing his ronnie james dio impression i love it yeah so this one's a maiden point to me oh dear i'm amazed how quick you came to conclusions there because i agree with many points that both of you have been saying riding on the wind Quintessential Judas Priest was the first impression of, okay, this is what it's about. I'm with you, Rob Halford. And I was talking about Electric Eye. I felt there was Ozzy in his voice. Riding on the Wind, I thought there was Robert Plant in his voice. So I've come to the conclusion <laughs> that Rob Halford's voice is just the meshing between Robert Plant and Ozzy Osbourne over some kick-ass kick riffs. Pure British pipes right there. Pure British pipes. That's exactly right. In right. The, I love the dynamic across Riding on Ah. But then again, Flight of Icarus, Imran, you're right. It's very easy to sing along to. And also just the riffs that go throughout. Part of me was like, oh, maybe a revisit, a revisit to Hallowed Be Thy Name. But either way, it swings, it gallops. 
Bruce Dickinson doing his Dio impression. I really like that analogy. And it is one of those songs you... Yeah, I can't stop repeating it. It's very, very singable. It was interesting seeing a quote come from, I think, Steve Harris saying that they prefer the song played a lot faster live. They'll speed up the tempo a bit, and they think it's a better song that way. I can see the point. I did check out a live clip, and it sounded great. I bet... I love Fly to Icarus, but I... I refuse to let Screaming for Vengeance go 3-0, so let's go riding on the wind for me, I think. In, in case things just couldn't really get any better, uh, we then hit this track called Bloodstone, yep. which is just unbelievably catchy. I've never, ever played this song to someone who didn't love it and who doesn't, didn't start going, Bloodstone! You know, especially... <laughs> Um, again, there was just no way uh, Judas Priest weren't going to deliver a heavy metal classic record. I mean, we were already three great songs in. Then we kind of slowed down the tempo a little bit on this one, and it's it's just amazing. I yeah, th- this is Judas Priest at its best, in my opinion. Their second best album is Sin After Sin, which is a vastly different sounding album to this, but I think that album is definitely worth checking out. But um, oh, the eighties was in full swing on this one uh but then on the other side um die with your boots on i actually think it's one of the weaker cuts of uh this iron maiden record but but one thing i do love about it is in the chorus how british the backup vocals sound if you're gonna die if you're gonna die i, I always <laughs> thought that was really funny like normally iron maiden don't sound that british um clearly uh bruce dickinson does to some degree but yeah the backup vocals had to be mentioned and it's a good song, but I, I almost feel as if it's it's a tiny bit repetitive, which was uh, definitely kind of uh, signalling the fact that Iron Maiden were going to become an incredibly repetitive sounding band in, in a chorus structure, um, especially once we hit the X Factor album in about 1995. So interesting to note there. Um, but at the same point, uh, Bloodstone for me is just an absolute winner. Uh, and it's, it is really up there, probably in Judas Priest's uh, top 10 songs of all time, maybe. That's big praise, Ben. I didn't get it. I didn't think of that big of praise would come out of this conversation. And Die With Your Boots On, I can see what you mean, but I wanted to go to Imran to see if he could dissect the bass a little bit because I consider that incredible bass playing by Steve Harris. Yeah, that bass is shredding throughout the whole song. Um I, I feel like it's turned up a little bit in that song as well because you can just it's just making an impact throughout the whole throughout the whole song. Um, Die with your boots on. I got to agree with Ben a little bit. It's slightly underwhelming. Um, I do like the backing vocals in the chorus. It reminds me of just like an Aussie pub song. Um, it's very British, but yeah, that bass throughout the whole song um, is just rumbling and rolling throughout the whole way. Um, I really particularly like the, uh, in the solo, the bass is um, kind of, it feels like it's more in front um, than the solo, like the actual guitar. Yeah, there's just a lot happening. It's just moving all the time. It's it's insane. That The bass playing, honestly, I think saves that song a little bit. Bloodstone on the other side. Um, I really love that guitar intro to, to that song. And that song is just, you can't describe it with anything other than just rock and roll. That's just a rockin' song. It's got a nice, simple chorus, super catchy. I think my point's gonna go to Bloodstone for this one, just because that's just a song that I'd I'd play and just just rock out to. Yeah, Bloodstone all the way on that one. Yeah, just an unbelievable classic. And as Imran said, uh, I think why um, Die With Your Boots On feels a little bit underwhelming is because it was after three fantastic songs in a row and then it's wedged between the trooper that comes up. So by comparison, I think it just kind of gets knocked down a couple of pegs. But uh, yeah, no, unbelievable. It's it still blows my mind. I've been listening to Judas Priest since uh, year seven in two thousand and eight. They were actually the first band I ever saw live was Judas Priest. Um, and now it's two thousand twenty-two, and I'm starting to feel a little old. It's kind of unbelievable, really. Yeah. Die With Your Boots On has got the gangland spot, you say, Ben? Yeah, I think so. Um, whereas Gangland uh, on the previous Maiden record, that was actually a bonus track, I think, on some editions. Um, and then it just got added on as part of the normal record to make it a nine-track album. 
Right, okay. I think I'm alone in my thoughts then. Dive with your boots on probably gets the point. I think it might just come down to the bass. But then I've also got here in my notes, It, I like the soundscape of it's getting kind of get down and dirty with the no point asking what it is. Just I, I enjoyed the attitude to it. And I, mm. I like the change of pace. There's some different things going on. For example, backing vocals. And it feels big and mighty and what have you that was at least my interpretation i think i'm in a lot alone in my thoughts there dive with your boots on we'll get the point for me uh bloodstone i'm surprised was a popular one between the two of you i didn't get too much out of it but i will stand by what the two of you were saying pinchy melodies catchy chorus catchy hooks it is all intents and purposes a good song Oh, yeah, there's groove for days on that number. And what you'll find, Jason, if you come back to that track a few more times uh, over the year, I think you'll really go, yeah, you know what? This this is something. This is something amazing. Yeah, let's hope so. Next battle is, it's a bit of a blowout, the Trooper versus Take These Chains. Let's talk about Take These Chains first, uh, if I may. Because that one's not so bad. It's got that vast kind of standing. It's it's a very poppy kind of hook. Not flashy, nothing too fancy about it, but it's serviceable, I'd say. Well, I think what amazed me most about this, Jason, is this is... I don't want to give away something too early on, but I know this album very well, and I never realised until we're doing this show that that song is actually a cover. I was always of the opinion that that was a Judas Priest song. We take this chains is actually a cover by Bob Helligan Jr. Absolutely amazed the hell out of me. I was, yeah. I mean, clearly it's a great cover because Judas Priest just made it their own. I think what's really great about it, it's the first time we get to hear a little bit more uh, of the album just calming down, even if it's only for a short period. And you really get to hear some incredible range from Rod Helford's voice. Um, he's got this lower tenor that he will pull out now and then. And, and it sounds awesome. It sounds like he could sing in a jazz band. But then, you know, as the song starts building up, he uses his range, his voice gets higher, and it, it's super exciting to hear. I think, yeah, Serviceable, I, I think it's a great cover. Um, just, again, I, I keep harping on this, but that the, the hooks on this record are just ridiculous. Like, it, that's such a catchy song just to sing over and over. Um it, it really is wonderful. But then at the other hand, um, you have Maybe, maybe arguably at Iron Maiden's galloping best uh, on the Trooper. I mean, that was the Iron Maiden gallop formula probably done almost as good as it could be. Um, really, really wonderful pausing, great phrasing by Bruce Dickinson. Uh, machine gun fire it really does feel like that when you close your eyes you can see like a war going on and people running and explosions and planes and everything at least i do (laughs) but yeah i mean i can't go past it it's just too well done um and it's a fantastic track uh again to say this is iron maiden this is what iron maiden sound like um so the trooper for me definitely wins out but i think a very fun excellent cover from judas priest on this one as well yeah, let's not take anything away from Take These Chains. Imran, you've been very quiet. You've heard us debate. Where do you stand? Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yes. It's going to be the trooper. Of course it's going to be the trooper. Obviously. I mean, come on. Um, I did not mind Take These Chains, though. I thought I really liked the intro, uh, particularly to that song. kind of reminded me of, like, a really dark 80s B-movie. Like, you're just, like, in a... You're at, you're at night there's some weird neon lighting and a train's gone by and suddenly you get that doom weird chorusy bass or guitar whatever's happening real dark but yeah um kind of reminded me of um like the song in general kind of reminded me of like queen in the sense that if it's like kind of theatrics and that singing style um i i didn't hate the song i thought it was pretty solid um but yeah you how can you put that up against, as Jason put it? Yeah. Well, with that, we'll do a quick score check. Myself, Peace of Mind has pulled ahead four to one, whereas Ben, Screaming for Vengeance, just edging out three to two, and Imran, three to two, Peace of Mind. So it's still competitive between Imran and Ben between these both records. 
I will say what I'm going to predict is Screaming for Vengeance is having a bit of a comeback here because I think after this next track, Judas Priest goes on a three-song streak of incredibly great tracks. Still Life versus Pain and Pleasure, dare I say, my favourite off Screaming for Vengeance. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, firstly, I really love uh, what Imran said. There's a few tracks on this Screaming for Vengeance album where you do get this kind of cold, dry feeling early hours of the morning kind of thing going on. I, I like the, the light guitar, definitely take these chains, did it. Uh, Fever does it really well. So I just thought that was awesome that Imran kind of touched on that because I've always felt the same when I've been listening to it. Um, Pain and Pleasure is, yeah, it's a really great song. I, I love how the um, the guitar solo in this track just absolutely screams. It's 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 a ripper. Um, super catchy, a lot of attitude. Uh, Rob Helford really mixing it up again, just using a lot of interesting techniques um it, it's such a good song but then also uh we just got such a cool iron maiden track with maybe one of the best uh chorus lines on the whole record um so yeah for this one uh i actually really love still life i think that's just such a great iron maiden song they don't play it live enough if there's uh one complaint i do have so yeah both uh both great great work by both bands but uh still life for me on this one it's also one of the best piss take uh, songs in metal history, considering the opening is just Nico McBrain uh, doing his Ugandan president impersonation, recorded backwards <laughs> to stir up satanic ah, panic. Well, is that yeah, what that is? That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's great. Because obviously this is coming up after Number of the Beast hit the United States, and that's when they started getting exposed to accusations uh, yeah. of Satanism. So they thought, okay, if we're gonna, if they're gonna accuse us of that and they're going to go looking for something that isn't there. We're going to really make them look and really make them look stupid. So they went and did that and put that at the start of Still Life. uh, Also, to that end, um, Judas Priest were in court a couple of years before with their album Stained Class uh, over apparently some satanic messaging, which actually was never on the record. I think it was if you played it backwards, you could hear something. It was was just a mistake or something. So, yeah, there you go. How funny. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, I I was very confused when I heard uh, the reverse speaking at the start of this song. But yeah, this um probably a hot take for you guys, but the still life didn't really stand out to me that much. Um, this this does say uh it has a line that says peace of mind in it though. I did note that, which uh, ooh, title of the album. Um, I did like the the weird jagged drums in the last verse as well. Um, Bruce Dickinson's got a very interesting singing style in this too. I was, I was a bit confused at first because it didn't sound like him at all. He's a bit. So I thought weird. that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's got this weird husky kind of, not not Bruce Springsteen style, but like if Bruce Springsteen was quiet and whispery. It's kind of the vibe that I got. I've always loved about Rob Helford. I feel as if with Bruce, you kind of know it's always him, but Rob just really is amazing at being able to just mix up and diverse his style all the time and i think this album really showcases just how much range he actually has yeah i mean pain and pleasure that was a that's a thumping song um i like the weird um the bluesy kind of intro they've got to that the reverb drums that that hair metal sound it's a classic i was scratching my head for so long thinking what song does this sound like but i figured it out um it's pour some sugar on me by def leopard it's got that vibe to it Right oh. Um, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely see it with the with the drums and so forth. Yeah, it's that classic eighties style uh hair metal sound. Um, Which um if we're playing at home, uh hysteria didn't come out till nineteen eighty seven. So Judas Priest <laughs> had him beat on that by five years. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Oh, there you go. Ahead of the game. Before Imran gives his pick, another thing that took me by surprise by Pain and Pleasure until I went up, because I was trying to... I spent a long time looking for bass in that song. Obviously, eventually, once the solo's done, which is a crunching solo, once that comes out of the solo, you get that thump, you get that thumping, crunch, juicy bass, don't, 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 that thumps the bridge along. But I was listening through the very beginning, and I had to look up people doing... bass covers of the song to realize for the first minute and a half there is none no there is none (laughs) that's right oh 
I don't even know. Ian Hill uh, in Judas Priest was he was never the most busy player. He'd always kind of just play to the rhythm. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, but uh, gee, when you're comparing him to uh, Bruce Dickinson on the other album, there is a bit of a night and day difference in terms of who probably has the better bass performance between both. Let me records. let me correct but, you there, yeah, Steve Harris. Sorry, Steve Harris. Correct. Yes. No, my I think. My- my favourite track of Screaming for Vengeance, I think, is Pain and Pleasure, so it's getting the point from me. Uh, Imran, where, where are you going to land? Um, I think I'm going to go same. Pain and Pleasure. Fantastic track. Quest for Fire versus the title track, Screaming for Vengeance. We'll start with Imran on this one. Well, I really like the big screams in this song. Um, screaming for Vengeance, that is. Um, there, there are some big, big screams in this song. Screams that are otherworldly. Um, but yeah, this I I really like this song. This absolute punky thrashing kind of song. Um, the the only thing I can think of this is that it's just in your face all the time, just for the whole however long it goes for. It's just right there. You know it's there. There's there's so much screaming and I love it. Um, I, I love the, in the chorus particularly, the screaming, and then there's a big, ah, that comes in, it's thrown in your face. Um, I really love that. Um, Quest for Fire, on the other hand, um, this one had a, I really like the, um, the rhythm to this. It's got another one of those horse trot kind of riffs, the gallopy ones. Um, the descending chorus, like that kind of melody kind of reminded me of a, like a drinking song or a sea shanty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I cannot unhear that now, Imran. Yeah. <laughs> and just imagine like a room full of men with big mugs just like clinking them together and just singing Stone that. cutters. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I thought it was, I thought that was a good song, but um, nah, Screaming for Vengeance. It's got to be, it's got to be that one. I'm going to join you there, Imran, screaming for vengeance. Not to discount Quest for Fire, which I was very confused by when I went to look up backstory for Quest for Fire. It's considered one of Iron Maiden's worst. I don't think it is. I don't even think it's the weakest song off Peace of Mind. But screaming for vengeance with a bit more of an in-your-face kind of style is one of the many factors for uh, me picking. Also, it's got a bit more of an increased pace about it. It feels a bit slightly more thrashy than the other tracks on this album thus far. Absolutely. It was um, Screaming for Vengeance is a great sign of things to come for Judas Priest. We kind of get a lot of quick tempo songs on the follow-up record, Defenders of the Faith, Uh, the track Ram It Down off the Ram It Down record in 88. That's very pacey at times. And then obviously Painkiller is just a whole another entity of thrash metal. It is a thrash metal record essentially. So I really love that Screaming for Vengeance, we just really... Uh, pick up some speed it's kind of a faster crazier electric iron in a in a way and um yeah it's awesome it's such a fun time and i'm glad they named the album after this song i think it deserved it uh and interesting that um people don't love that maiden track all too much because uh i've always thought that was just a fun little ditty that kind of song um but yeah uh it runs on, on the money with especially the the whole pirate theme or even when I listen to Iron Maiden, I, I sometimes have, you know, an Egyptian theme in my head or medieval. And uh, I think that's why they just influence so many power metal bands uh, that just write about fantasy and all this kind of stuff and have, at least in spirit, a little bit of an Iron Maiden sound. It's because those guitar leads and those neoclassical kind of melodies just blend so perfectly with that stuff. But yeah, I definitely go uh, screaming for vengeance on this one. But it is a fun, fun Iron Maiden song. There's no doubt about it. Honestly, I hope that once this goes out and anyone who listens to it goes and says, actually, no, Quest for Fire is definitely not one of the least favorite. I really hope we get, like, feedback on that because it is a fun song. Also, maybe I, another... I really in- like that song. Yeah, I personally quite enjoy it. Yeah. I didn't oh, see too much fun. of a problem it's with it. Song. <laughs> Nowhere near the weakest on peace of mind. I think that's still to come. Sun and Steel, I reckon, is probably my least favourite off peace of mind. That goes up against the main song, You've Got Another Thing Coming. Electric Eye was not released as a single, but it proved as a great success for the band's progress in their career. You've Got Another Thing Coming was another one of those uh, big influential landmark songs for Judas Priest. 
You've got another thing coming is the perfect example of what the previous two records sounded like, which was just heavy metal, hard rock Judas Priest. Um, definitely at more of a rock beat tempo than anything else. Um, definitely with plenty of shades of ACDC, a British steal the record at the, essentially. But um, you've got another thing coming has appeared in so much media stuff. Um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, for those who played that on the PS2 back in the day. Uh, it's been in numerous movies, heaps of game soundtracks. And how could it not be? It's just got this kind of marching drum beat, you know, taking names, uh, you know, not, not going to, uh, you know, give an inch. And uh, boy, is it just a fun song. Great riffs. Really love the last minute or two. I, I feel like the track wraps up really beautifully with uh, repetition. You've got another thing coming. Um, this is Judas Priest definitely uh, kicking ass and taking names. This is just a classic, classic Judas Priest song. Can't go past this one. I never get tired of hearing it. Uh, it sounds incredibly 80s too. It's definitely a sign of that that time period for sure. And it's a gem uh, upon heavy metal. So how could I not go past it? Sun and Steel is kind of where Iron Maiden is starting to tell us uh, we're, we're running out of ideas on this LP, which is fair enough. It, it's just probably the weakest song on there for me personally, but it, you know, it still has its fun moments. But uh, for how much the band would get a mature uh, for the record after, which was uh, the best Iron Maiden album, in my opinion, Power Slave. It's kind of crazy that yes. they had a couple of these fun little silly songs. So, yeah, You've Got Another Thing Coming is definitely the one for me. Is there any... What can you salvage out of Sun and Steel, Imran? I genuinely cannot remember that song at all. I've got one note for it, and it says the singing in verse is kind of cool. That's it? I don't even remember how it goes. Yep. Um. <laughs> It's kind of unfortunate because you've got another thing coming. I don't think I'd even put in the top five on this album, to be honest. I it, It's a cool song. Like you said, it's very 80s. Um, I thought the chorus was kind of underwhelming a little bit. I thought it could have been a bit punchier or something. Um, the, the clean break in the middle, I thought, was a bit... Like, they could have done something to push it further, I think. Um, there is a good scream before the solo, though, um, that I thought was really cool. And the singing... I think the singing overall in that song is very good. Um, it's a very catchy song. I just, it's not really a standout for me on this album, but I'm going to pick it because I genuinely don't remember Sun and Steel. So, Judas Priest. Yeah, Judas Priest for me. Imran, you got another thing coming. I, I understand where you're coming from. It's it's very accessible. It's very quintessential Judas Priest at least from my first exposure and listening to Ben talk about them. However, there is a lot more excitement going on in tracks that came before it. But you've got another thing coming. I think uh, one of the band members, Glenn Tipton, he pretty much summed it up best. It is best experienced behind the wheel, heading down the highway carefree. In any other context, any other context, like if you're looking for some deep meaning, it's probably not the song for you, but... It beats Sun and Steel easily, at least for me. And just to chime in there, Jason, it is tremendous live because everyone just yells back at Helford, you've got another thing. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun live. I, if uh, anyone listening ever gets the chance to see Judas Priest, this one always goes off every time. It's awesome. Moving on now to the final track from Peace of Mind to Tame a Land. Sun and Steel was a filler because they saved up all of their good moments for To Tame a Land to end it, and it goes up against Fever. I think it ends the streak of three fantastic Judas Priest tracks in a row, but it's no slouch. Uh, it's no slouch, Jason, because that intro still gives me chills to this day. There is something about the intro to Fever. I don't know. I, I've listened to this song in the dark so many times, and it just... I don't know. I don't know what it is. It, it it feels nostalgic. It feels cold. It feels distant. There is something going on in that intro from the production, or I have no idea what, but um, it certainly sounds like it's from its time, and I just love it to death. Fever's awesome. I, I think it's a it's a really cool track. I really love how they build it up. Rob Helford again, um, just a, incredibly commendable job. Really finding a way to really make this track stick into your veins and you can't get it out. It's like a poison. 
It's awesome stuff. Uh, again, another good solo on it. Um, then on the other hand, we've got Iron Maiden, To Tame a Land, which Iron Maiden have wrote a heck of a lot of uh, classic seven, eight minute songs. This wouldn't make my list of their 10 best classics, though. I think they certainly had some great ones to come, um, including Rhyme of the Ancient Marinara, even Dance of Death, Sign of the Cross, just to name a few. Hello, but, Be Thy uh, Name. Hello, Be uh, Thank you, um, which they experimented on the previous record. So it wasn't completely foreign to get a seven, eight minute Iron Maiden track. Uh, one more great one for those listening at home. Um, uh, good old uh, Phantom of the Opera off the first record. It's just tremendous. Classic. Old Diano Day. Absolute classic. One of, one of the one of the best Maiden songs ever. So yeah, this is this is a good effort. But um, I was wondering whether Jason may have already known it uh, because it was a bonus track, uh, the cover version from Dream Theater on their Black Clouds and Silver Linings album. To Tame a Land. Correct. Uh, Mike Portnoy plays drums on it. It was the last album Mike Portnoy did before Mike Mangini stepped in. So yeah, that. It's cool to hear a prog rendition of it as well. Um, but yeah, both great songs. But honestly, I have to go Fever on this one, um, even just for that intro alone, oh. apart from the fact that, yeah, the, the song is just brilliant. So yeah, curious on what you guys felt about both those tracks. I did like Fever. I thought it was a good song. Um, I liked the solo. It was very melodic and there's a cool riff before that. Um, I liked the chorus, how it's like this big choir um, the intro, like you said, that really ballady kind of thing. I love how it's just drenched in friggin' chorus. It's very 80s sounding. The singing's great. I love the especially high singing towards the end. It's a good song. But to tame a land, this is this is the type of Iron Maiden that I like to listen to. This is their weird, their weird long songs that have like 20 million parts and some weird time signatures. It's prog maiden, as I like to call it. Um, yeah oh undoubtedly i think um yeah from their 10th record onwards they're essentially a prog band in my eyes yeah i think i think definitely i agree with you yeah, the later they got on they just their songs just got longer and longer yeah longer and longer uh, more parts more time changes yeah their latest yeah. album senjutsu i think doesn't have a song under 10 minutes <laughs> i think from memory yeah there's um, one uh midway through that I always felt could have been off this uh, peace of mind record, which is uh, days of future past. Um, and it's only a little yeah. four minute pity, but uh, awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. To tame a land straight from the get go. That song hooked me. Um, it's got that weird spicy chord progression. Um, don't know where it's coming from. Hits you from weird angles. It's like a weird mix of like medieval, mediterranean almost japanese kind of sounding i like how the the lead guitar stuff like switches a lot throughout the like during the verses and stuff um and then it like switches to a different time and it's got those marching style drums it's really cool um this yeah this is just a song that just hooked me from the get-go and did not let me go until it finished so to tame a land ah <sighs> I don't have much to add to Imran's analysis of Tatama Land, and I want to give it the point. Any other, any other interesting things about Fever for me? Do you, in actually in mind, I'm I'm surprised when you mentioned Dream Theater covered Tatama Land. Don't say you don't learn anything. I put in my notes for some weird reason. Fever, a very young James Labrie is listening intently to Rob Halford's vocals. That's the comparison <laughs> I drew for Fever. Oh, I bet he was. I, I bet he was listening to this Judas Priest record at the time. I mean, specifically Fever. He, I feel like yeah, that's where he yeah, got his yeah, vocal yeah. style from. Ah, to tame a land, it's too mind blowing to not ignore it. It's everything Imran said. I think I can stand by him and say, "Yep, fair point there." The uh, any. Anything special about the solo, Imran, that you could probably help put into words? Because especially the fact Smith, Harrison, Murray, they're all interlocked beautifully in the closing stages of the song. It's its just very well put together, very well structured. Yeah. I'd say this is the best song on the album, to be honest. It's up there, isn't it? I, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's classic Maiden. All, like, all the guitars are just locked together, like you said. Um... It's got just a bunch of weird stuff happening. It, it also, mm. to me, signified that um, 
what what was to come on Power Slave, which is a bit more of a mature album than what this one was. I mean, Sun and Steel, Quest for Fire, you know, they're they're a little bit upbeat and silly and a bit of fun, like a bit of a sing-along, as we said, near the campfire. Whereas um, yeah, to tame a land kind of showcases the band really in a in a mature sense. Uh just incredible composition skills and boy do they get put on full display and at the band's best with uh, Power Slave, which was to come just oh, in a couple of years after. I do like that point. It It is a sign for what came after that. But with that, Peace of Mind is done, but the Gold Star rule is going to kick in because we still have more Screaming for Vengeance tracks to talk about. Well, when I say more tracks, I mean tracker. There's only one left. It's Devil's Child, ACDC Personified. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, this this is this. It's it's funny you mention that because um, it took me all this time, but I, I actually got into ACDC not that long ago. I've never disliked them. How long but ago? I didn't then really had a proper listen to them. So I've been listening to the Razor's Edge album and um, what was Did that? You listen to um, Power Age? No, I need to. Everyone yes. tells me that one's awesome. That's I'll admit one. that is one I probably should explore too, everyone. So thank you. <laughs> No yeah, worries. I never realized just what amazing youthful energy ACDC have until all these years later. But um, to that end, yeah, uh, this is this is such a great closing song, in my opinion, for this album. It, it was everything that this album kind of is to me. Fun songwriting, great quality riffs, epic vocals that are just a good time. Judas Priest to me have always been a really fun band and... Um, I think Devil's Child is excellent. So, Jason, if I was to give this a gold star, does it have to replace something else? No, you could just actively seek that song out again with unbridled passion. It still counts. This will be a gold star for me. This would be easily in my my top five of of the record. I I think this is Judas Priest just firing on all cylinders with another classic, I believe you're the Devil's Child. It's awesome stuff. Um, My notes are pretty much just... ACDC riff, ACDC stinging. Um, kind of sounds like Axl Rose after the solo. Um, <laughs> songs are right. I probably wouldn't seek it out again. Really? Yeah. Didn't hit it for me. Yeah, the, the, this one again was um, in the vein of the Point of Entry album, which was out the year before in 81, along with British Steel from 1980. Uh, yeah, a lot of ACDC sounding songs on that those records so yeah it, it was funny to still see there was a little bit of that on this record but not as much but um definitely you got another thing coming along with devil's child would be two examples of that for sure and maybe to a lesser extent screaming for vengeance but then again that that's more of a pacing kind of thing devil's child for me who what i'll just read my notes verbatim they're right in front of me sense of finality and just the opening notes yeah from note one you know it's the closer Vocals fit the chorus riff. Normally, hey, I normally would mock it, but I can't hear because obviously the soundscape is just fit that suit that vocal very well. And then everything else after that, yeah, ACDC rhythm section and an easy sing along. <sighs> but there's not much there I'm really knocking about it. So I feel like, and it is such a catchy tune as Ben has been highlighting. Yeah, it's worth the gold star. It really is. <laughs> it's just a classic. It's so simple. It is such a simple song, but the execution on it, again, is just incredible. And that's what's funny with both these records. Sure, Iron Maiden have got the playing. The playing's more technical on the Maiden record than it is on the Priest one. But I, the, the Priest one, I just get swept up with the energy. It's not to say the Iron Maiden one doesn't have any energy, but yeah, it, it's a perfect example of not always is technical better. Sometimes just the heart, the soul, and the rhythm of the music, if it's incredibly fun and it, it has drive um can can get it across the line as well which is really really awesome yeah um, this this sorry go ahead yeah well uh you know I, I guess it's now we're at the end of the show so i can say this but um you know if i think of my five favorite albums of all time like i can just really quickly mention them megadeth rust in peace he is legend i am hollywood uh filter title of record Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. This is in my five favorite albums of all time. Now I've probably heard maybe three to four thousand metal albums, maybe. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I've heard just a ridiculous amount, but 
yeah, sure. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's the fact that uh, this one's just always been with me since a young age. But uh, I just adore this Judas Priest album so much. Um, I think also it just puts me in such a great mood. It always lifts lifts my spirits every time I listen to it. It's just great fun. So, um, yeah, credit to the band and credit to Iron Maiden because that is a classic Maiden album and uh, no one's wasting their time that ever listens to it. It, it truly is top-notch stuff as well. I wouldn't put it apart just by getting to know Ben over the last couple of years and the fact that he has said on this show in the past that he has a top 100 list of favourite songs. So I wouldn't put it past him that he knows that he, he knows the precise amount of numbers he's listened to from start to finish. And secondly, <laughs> his love for Judas Priest has translated to the scoreboard with a 7-3 win. So that's a point to Judas Priest there. Damn. Oh my goodness. You know, I thought I was actually, it was closer than that. But there you go. How funny. Oh, it gets close. This was a very tight battle, and I anticipated that from the start because I had that inkling because they're that sort of quality. Let, For example, if you go to myself, it was a five-all draw. Jeez. So pretty much I have to split my grand point in half because that's we have to delegate points. That's just how it has to go, which sucks because I'm... Again, I'm with Imran. I have not explored... Judas Priest that deeply and I do seek out a bit more Iron my Iron Maiden than the other and to have it end in a draw just speaks volumes to how much I've begun to enjoy Judas Priest and how more I need to explore but with that being said at the top of the show I said Painkiller and I can't remember it was the only exposure I ever had to Judas Priest before this battle Imran had zero he topped me and this battle now rests on him uh oh now, how much Iron? How much does Iron Maiden mean to you, Imran? Me? Yeah. They were probably one of the first metal bands I ever got into. Really? Yeah. Like, when I first started listening to metal, Iron Maiden was there. Always. Well, I can reveal Imran. Uh-oh. Iron Maiden with a score of four... Screaming for Vengeance with a score of five. The winner of this battle is Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. Hey! Huh. <laughs> that, that is not how I saw that going tonight. Me neither. Me neither. How fantastic. Well, well, well done, everyone. You got swerved, Imran. I was not expecting that, not going to lie. I was not expecting that at all. I was, I was so convinced that one of us would either end in a draw. I think... I was anticipating him run going Iron Maiden, but... I thought I was going to go Iron Maiden too. Then again, I thought I was going to go Iron Maiden, but it was a draw, so... <laughs> this was a very unpredictable one. It speaks volumes. It was tight all the way, but Ben's passion and Imran getting swerved has brought Judas Priest the win. Wow. Damn. That's incredible, but uh, I have to say both... Again, both fantastic, important albums uh, for heavy metal history and... Um, they still influence young people all these years later, which, I mean, just shows how great these works are. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, if you've never heard these albums before and you're listening to The Great Metal Standoff, I highly recommend the jump in. Give it a go. Be open-minded. And uh, if nothing else, some great playing and some great songs to go with it. In fact, The Standoff was pretty much how I got into Iron Maiden originally because back in a couple in the early days of great metal standoff we put number of the beast up against one of my favorite black sabbath records master of reality mm. the, oh, the yeah. best black sabbath record in my opinion i say so yep. too go Same. back to that episode and see how close that battle ended up going but it made me really appreciate number of the beast and that made me then to check out power slave a couple of extra songs on the side because of ben talking them up and uh, one of our former co-hosts that has been on the show, Jacob, he bigs up Iron Maiden a lot. And yeah, and here we are doing Peace of Mind versus Screaming for Vengeance. And it's Ben and Imran's first time they've ever debated here on The Great Metal Standoff. And it was very interesting hearing them bounce off each other. So thank you very much for coming in. Oh, thank you, Jason. And thank you, Imran. It was really awesome to, uh, no to chat with you guys again. It's been ages. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what, what other kind of crazy battles you've got going on for the rest of the year. Let's hope this isn't the last battle, by the way, that the three of us do. Uh, to take us out, let's celebrate both of these records. What would be your top three off each? Ooh, Ben, you go first. Yeah, uh, top three off each. Uh, 
Wow. Uh, Iron Maiden, I would say uh, Revelations, uh, The Trooper, just for how amazing and influential that one is, along with uh, Still Life. And as for uh, Judas Priest, I'd definitely go Electric Eye, uh, Fever, along with, um, you know what, believe it or not, I know I didn't vote for it, but uh, I, I still absolutely love Take These Chains. <laughs> it's just such a great yes. cover, I think. So that would be me. Uh, I'll go next if you like. Trooper number one, easy. Uh, it's a, I'm not sure what I would go for second. Revelations or Flight of Icarus? Let's go Revelations and uh, probably To Tame a Land. That would be my top three. Screaming for Vengeance, favourite song off it, Pain and Pleasure, loved it. Uh, Riding on the Wind second, and what do I want to say? Electric Eye or Devil's Child? I think Electric Eye. Um, I guess if there was one more Judas Priest song I, I would ask you boys to check out, it would actually be Sinner off um, the Sin After Sin album. I, I think that is undoubtedly a Judas Priest song. Uh, you'll love the riffs. The drum work is electric. It's very 70s sounding. So uh, I know there was talks of Zeppelin and stuff. Well, that e- that sounds even more kind of like Zeppelin, that, that, that track. So, yeah, if you guys uh, do have some spare time, it's six minutes. Uh, you you won't regret it. It's awesome, and you can also really hear where Slayer got their um, screeching, scary lead guitar leads. You, you'll hear it all over um, "Sinner" by Judas Priest, which uh, the band even acknowledge is one of their biggest influences ever. Slayer, so yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. Also, gentlemen, uh, well, well, the standoff is still rolling. Um, I did have to mention this because, and I'm so thrilled this news came out today and now I'm talking to Imran. It was as if it was meant to be. Tool released their Fear Inoculum record two years ago and we finally found out that the vinyl version's coming out. I heard Um, about this, yeah. The only problem is, Jason, and I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this, uh, the vinyl costs... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bleep it out because the listeners do not need to be mind-blown just as I did, all right? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I was shocked. Yeah. So not only do you have to wait for two years, uh, but yeah, it's going to be vinyl. Apparently it's signed by all the bands and it's incredibly limited. It's, it's essentially an NFT, but it's a, it's a physical <laughs> thing. You can hold it. <laughs> right. So um, look, I love the band and I, I did love that record. I know some people were very critical of it. Uh, it was definitely to my liking, maybe more than a lot of people, but uh, am I paying for a vinyl? I'm going to pass on this one. Uh, I'm not going to... I'm just going to say I paid enough for the CD and the weird electronic booklet that it came in. Agreed. Agreed. And that's all. Um, Like, I'm a Tool fan, but i got to pay rent. That's right. (laughs) You know, life's expensive. Bills never stop. Rent never stops. Exactly. No. (laughs) We went went a bit off the rails there. So, uh, by the way, if you didn't like Fear Inoculum and you want to go back to the heyday... Imran and his bandmate, we did 10,000 Days versus Hypnotize on the very last show of 2021. So go ahead and check that out if you like. But Imran, to take us out, what was your top three from Iron Maiden and Judas Priest? Yes, uh, in no particular order, Where Eagles Dare, Flight of Icarus, and To Tame a Land, obviously. And for Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, Eve, uh, Electric Eye, sorry, and Bloodstone. I reckon. I, I just feel so fulfilled knowing that you guys have heard this album now. It just feels to <laughs> me as if it was such an important one. Can and sleep knowing easy that you guys have now. heard it now. It was like when Jason heard um, uh, Alice in Hell along with um, uh, Exodus's Bond of Blood. 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 Just some key important thrash metal history that uh, Jason had to hear. So no, it's part of the brilliance of this show is... Um, just hearing everyone's takes on things, especially when they, they're going in blind, I think it's it's good fun, for sure. Well, as the year goes on, the three of us will meet again and do another battle at some point. Guarantee it. Uh, to Halford & Co., congratulations on the win. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Jason. Take care, Imran. And uh, to all those listening, heck yeah, horns up and keep the metal flowing. Heck yeah. Despite Imran and I naturally leaning towards Iron Maiden and the fact at the beginning I predicted a draw, well, in fairness, my tally score ended up being a draw, so I guess I was half right in that instance, but the power of Ben has pushed Judas Priest over the line. 
A big thanks again to Ben for making us do this battle. He was the one who suggested this battle for the show, and hopefully he'll be back for another battle later in the year. That brings us to the end of what we have in store for you for this episode of The Great Metal Standoff, the first pod for 2022. We will once again be working alongside Sin's weekly rock, punk and metal show, Mosh Pit on Sin, which you can check out every Thursday at 8pm on 90.7 FM radio, DAB Plus Digital, or from your preferred device at syn.org.au. You can also keep up with Imran and I on The Standoff at facebook.com forward slash moshpitonsin and facebook.com forward slash metalstandoffpod. We hope you enjoyed listening to this battle as much as we enjoyed making it. There's plenty more to come very soon. That's all for now. Till next time, metal up your ass.